0: On today's episode of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, the D-backs talked a big game about adding a pitcher this offseason and all the money they were going to spend. Well, they delivered four years, $80 million to Eduardo Rodriguez. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, you're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas 24myportfoliocom to see all my latest work. I've been hosting the Locked on D Backs podcast since 2020, and the D Backs are facing one of the biggest off seasons in their franchise history. And we're going to be talking a whole lot about their off season. With, of course, the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. What's more to come? And we'll be talking, actually, does the MLB offseason need a little bit of a spark? But, but before we get into that, uh, just want to say thank you for making the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But now, let's get into the big news of the night. Eduardo Rodriguez to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pitching was a big priority for the D-backs entering this offseason. Erod was someone that was very high on my list because we want the D-backs to... At a starter, someone that could be a number two or number three in their rotation. We didn't think they need to break the bank with a Blake Snell or someone like that, but they probably were going to have to spend a little bit of money this offseason, something that they don't always do, right? We have seen them spend a little money in the past with the Mad Bums and the Zach Greinke, So if they were going to spend it, if they were going to spend some money, it probably was going to be on a pitcher. That's what their history tells you. And The front office talked a big game entering this offseason about mostly Ken Kendrick, the owner, about how all the extra playoff revenue they got was going to go right back into the team, into the on-field product to make sure the D-backs have an even better chance of winning the World Series in 2024. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't just talk the talk. They actually walked the walk for once. And Erod, major addition to the rotation, a super big upgrade for the D-backs. In terms of spending money, the D-backs are now on pace for their highest payroll in their franchise's history. So in terms of spending money, that's what the D-backs are doing this offseason they went out there they made a savvy mood to get Eugenio Suarez from the Seattle Mariners just a complete salary dump by them they took back a whole bunch of scraps from the D-backs the D-backs said hey you're gonna go salary dump a third baseman above average defensively who smashes home runs for a hole that <laughs> for a hole on our team for a team that doesn't necessarily hit home runs or have a lot of power yeah we'll take Suarez we need a third baseman we don't have a ton of power Suarez will be perfect for us and I think he's going to have a very good season in Arizona next year and of course the rotation needed an upgrade I didn't know if we're going to get Dylan Cease Yamamoto seemed way too expensive even a guy like Jordan Montgomery was probably going to command 25 to 30 million a year with how the salaries are starting to trend for these pitchers, especially in a year where the market seems a little bit weaker in terms of depth. So a Erod is that perfect end a tier 2 kind of guy that could be your number three starter in the D-backs rotation. And he moves uh, Brandon Fott back to number four in the D-backs rotation. And so now, Zach Gallen, your number one. If you get a full season of first-half Zach Gallen, he's going to win a Cy Young. Merrill Kelly, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to win a Cy Young, but he could finish top five in Cy Young voting for the next couple years because that's how good he is. Then you're going to have Erod, who at his best, like we saw this past season, all-star level upside back in 2019, six in Cy Young voting. And then Brandon Fott, who is a little bit of a mystery, a little bit of an enigma, was not very good in the regular season this past year, but the postseason turned it up in a big way, so if he can somehow meet in the middle for the course of a full season, I think you would definitely take that if you're the Arizona Diamondbacks. And considering just the construction of this D-backs rotation, Lane's very righty. Erod can just help out a lot. Gallon, Kelly, Fott, all righties in the rotation. Erod, lefty in the rotation, especially going through a team like the Philadelphia Phillies, who was... Lefty heavy with the, the Schwarbers and the Bryce Harpers of the world. Like, Erod is definitely going to help the lineups like that in baseball, uh, help prevent lineups like that in baseball from going off, I should say, because last season, 183 average and below a 600 OPS allowed to lefties. Erod absolutely shut down that side of the plate last year. And honestly, Erod can be everything the D backs wanted from Madison Bumgarner, right? Madison Bumgarner was supposed to be the the veteran that came in and helped progress this young group along. He was supposed to come in, and we didn't... I I think we all knew when when we signed Mad Bum, I think we all knew he wasn't an ace anymore. I don't think we expected him to be an ace anymore, but we definitely thought he could still be a... Very good number two, if not an elite number three. But I think we all expected at least number two from Madison Bumgarner. But we, what we really valued from him was his playoff experience and his veteran leadership, right? Erod may not have that postseason moxie that Mad Bum has shown throughout his career. But he does have a ring on his resume, does have solid playoff experience. And from a production standpoint, he's way better at this point of his career than a Madison Bumgarner. Rodriguez this past season really reestablished himself as a pretty good mid-rotation guy who has that all-star upside when he's at his best when he's at his best and when he's healthy. Uh he showed improved velocity this past season. It was up like a half a tick. It was at like 92 point Actually, I think I have it right here. Um his fastball this past year 92.2 miles per hour. The previous season, 91.7 miles per hour on his fastball. So his velocity ticked up a little bit. Changeup, pretty good at uh, getting whiffs. His changeup, 31.7% of the time, whiff percentage on that changeup. And so he is a pretty good dude at generating strikeouts. He's not elite, but low 20 strikeout percentage, around 23% pretty decent walk rate as well, like 7-8% on the walk rate. Like He's just a good overall pitcher. His biggest issue has been dealing with injuries and health throughout his career. He's going to be 31 next season. I still think he's relatively fresh because of those injuries. This is not like Madison Bumgarner who came in at the age of 19. Erod, because of injuries, has only averaged 137 innings pitch per season. So, The downside is he gets hurt a decent amount. The upside is his arm should be relatively fresh because of the lack of pitching he has done throughout his career. And even the 2020 season didn't pitch at all, missed the entire year. So this is someone who probably doesn't have a ton of miles on his arm despite being 31 years of age. And so I expect him just to be a lot fresher than what a Madison Bungarner was when he was coming over to Arizona. And if you do get a full season of great health from Erod. He has the ceiling to be a Cy Young candidate because that's what we saw back in 2019. Finished sixth in Cy Young voting after going over 200 innings pitch that season. So we know the potential is there for an Erod for his career. If you extrapolated his stats over 162 game average, he would be averaging 188 innings per season because when he is healthy, he is an innings eater. And that's a stat that you can hope translates once you get to the postseason. You hope in a postseason setting, he can still eat innings, hopefully help the bullpen, save the bullpen a little bit because that's huge in a postseason setting. And now with Fought as your number four, you never have to have a bullpen game again in the postseason, which I think D-backs fans were disgusted by. But honestly, I wasn't. I saw a lot of people on Twitter upset. I saw people saying you shouldn't be in the right in the postseason if if you uh, if you had to do a bullpen game if you didn't have a number four starter. I didn't hate it. I thought with how the D-backs was constructed at the time, I thought it was the smartest strategy was to do the bullpen game. But It was not sustainable, needed to be fixed, and that's exactly what the D-backs did with this Eduardo Rodriguez addition. Erod coming down to the D-backs. Now they have, inarguably, I think, the strongest rotation in the NL West. They already filled their third base hole. Mike Hazen has been cooking with gas this offseason, but I don't think he's done yet. Erod was an incredible pickup, but we'll be talking about remaining moves D-backs can still make to fill out the rest of this roster. And if you think E-Rod raises the championship ceiling of this D-backs team, why not bet on the D-backs to win the 2024 World Series on this little thing called FanDuel Sportsbook? Because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do on FanDuel is the same-game parlay when the Lakers are playing a bad team, typically below 500. 80 over in points, 80 over in rebounds, and the Lakers money line. And if you took that same game parlay for the in-season tournament game against the Suns, you would have cashed out big time, I think. So visit FanDuel.com and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. If you like the show, follow me on Twitter at careerthomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now let's talk about remaining moves that the D-backs can still do to upgrade this roster, this free agency, because I still think the D-backs have a couple of holes that need to be filled. I think there's still a couple of swing players that the D-backs could go out there and pick up that can make all the difference, like the postseason so much when it comes to winning. It's just luck and just the margins a lot of times. Honestly, you hear the phrase, the cliche a lot in football. It's a game of inches, but that's true in all facets of the sports industry. It's not just the game on the field. It's also the game off the field, the off season, the free agency. It's a game of inches when it comes to the players and the talent you add in the off season. And so you can't just sit on your hands even after making the E-Rod pick up and the Suarez pickup, like great moves by Mike Hazen. But there's still a couple couple more holes on this roster and I would love to see them get plugged up. So let's talk about Three more potential moves that I would like to see the D backs make. And if they could pull off at least two of these three moves, I think you could consider this offseason a massive home run. Right now, it's, I mean, right now you could say this, you could say this, this offseason so far has been an inside the Parker at the very least. Maybe a solo shot, right? A Christian Walker, two out solo shot with nobody on. But if they could pull off two of these next three moves, and these are not like, Uh, None of these moves are as big as any of the moves I think that they made so far this offseason. But if they could pull off two of these three moves, I think you could say the D-backs hit a grand salami this offseason. First move. I think I would still like to see the D-backs go out there and target a left fielder. I just don't know if I trust a full season offensively of Jake McCarthy, Dominic Fletcher, and Alec Thomas from a production standpoint at the plate. I just don't know if I could trust it. Alec Thomas, I like a lot. I want to see him produce. He's someone that was a top prospect for the D-backs coming up. I thought he was uh, close to a sure thing as at least a pretty solid hitter on the major league level. He has not really shown that consistently in the postseason. He definitely had his moments and flashes, but need him to be way more consistent. Jake McCarthy, back in 2022, he looked like a dude. He looked like a major leaguer. He regressed to the mean this past season. Can he bounce back or was 2022 just a fluke? At the very least, he's a platoon speedster, and that's still going to be valuable. That speed is still going to be an asset. You can still use that as a weapon. Dominic Fletcher, very small sample size with the D-backs last year, but absolutely crushed in the small sample size with the D-backs last season. 301 average, 791 OPS in just 28. Games. Could he do that over the course of a larger sample size? Yet to be determined as it currently stands. Would I trust those three? Would I trust two of those three to be my everyday outfielder right now? I would trust the defense defensively. (laughs) If you have two of those three plus Corbin Carroll, you're going to have probably the best defensive outfield in Major League Baseball, unless the Blue Jays resign Kevin Kiermeyer. But I think the D-backs probably still need to go out there and add a left fielder because I don't think I have enough trust in the in two of the three of Fletcher, Thomas, and McCarthy to get it done day in day out from a production standpoint. So I think this is where you could explore the idea of re-signing Lords Guriel and or Tommy Pham. Both are free agents. We we saw both with the D-backs last season, right? I'm more pro Lords Guriel just because I think that jovial, kind of hyper energetic energy he brings is just more needed for this D backs team. I think it just gels a little bit more. Fam, super great leader. Way different Jace Peterson. Perfect. I think I just like Lords Guriel bat a little bit more with the power defense probably a little bit better at this point in their career considering Tommy Pham is entering his mid-30s now if the d backs shows Tommy Pham over Gurriel just because he's a little bit cheaper I still wouldn't be upset Tommy Pham can still be a 17 home run 15 stolen base guy and produce a you know a good amount of RBIs in your number six hole and just be a productive major leaguer I wouldn't mind Tommy Pham as the left fielder if the D-backs decide to go that route, even though I prefer a Lords Guriel, But there is a way to sign both of them this offseason. And even if you don't re-sign either one of them, there's other left field options that I do like. Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler or two more guys who really, really intrigue me if the D-backs don't re-sign Guriel or Tommy Pham. The D-backs would also probably prefer... That Their left fielder is a righty bat and Soler, Duval Guriel fam, all righty bats. The market actually for righty bats that could play left field pretty good. There's actually a bunch of them, and a lot of them have considerable power as well. So, I love the left field options actually. I hopefully and I hope the D backs can at least add one of them. The second move I think is to add a DH. I think a DH could be huge if it's someone that could play multiple other positions defensively and help platoon, or if just the DH is just someone that's a straight up slugger, like a JD Martinez or Justin Turner. Like, I wouldn't mind that at all if the D backs were like, yeah. 162 games, you're getting J.D. Martinez as the DH, and we're just letting him cook. No defense for that guy. does not matter. He's going to have a 900 OPS, 25 home runs, and drive in 100 ribbies for us. I think if the D-backs went that route, you could justify not signing a left fielder and then riding with a Jake McCarthy or something in left field because if you have J.D. Martinez now in your lineup to drive home a speedy, Jake McCarthy or Alec Thomas, I think the balance would then be pretty nice in the lineup because then you'd go, what, like, Carroll, Marte, Moreno, Walker, and then, like, probably, like, J.D. Martinez, Eugenio Suarez, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, Perdomo, like, I like that lineup a lot. I would like the balance of that lineup. Uh, I just did that off the top of my head. (laughs) I'm sure Torrey Lovello would do something differently, but... I would like the idea of adding a power slugger like J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner to drive home those speedsters of the Alec Thomases and the Jake McCarthys of the world when they get on base. And then the third move, this one I cheated a little bit, would be to add another pitcher. This could either be a pitcher who could be another starter, Maybe you don't think Tommy Henry or whoever you want to start in your number five spot in your rotation, maybe you don't think they could survive a whole season, whatever internal option you'd put in that number five hole. Maybe Brandon Fott is closer to the regular season Brandon Fott than the postseason Fott. Like there's, you know, there's a path where the internal options for the D-backs just don't work out as your number four and number five option in the rotation. So maybe someone like Mike Clevenger or Tyler Motley could give you that upside Of a mid rotation guy, but be in the back end of your rotation if FOT or whoever your number five just struggles or if they get hurt. And then in the postseason, they could be your number four if they end up being better than a FOT or vice versa. You can just put FOT as your number four and then maybe this guy comes out your pen or something. I just don't mind the extra competition and the extra insurance. And if the D backs don't sign a starter, how about they get how about they go out there and get another reliever? How about a high leverage reliever with some strikeout stuff? I think another dude that could that you could put in the sixth or seventh inning to get you out of a jam and Get that ball to Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald. That is so important. Once that ball gets in Kevin Ginkle's hands, it feels like if the D-backs have lead, the game will be over. So just get us to the eighth inning. If the D-backs can get one more guy that can help do that, that will make all the difference as well. So D-backs offseason has been incredible so far. And if they could pull off two of these three moves I listed, it's a grand salami for Mike Hazen and this front office. Now we'll talk about how I still think there's a way to give this off season a spark. I know we just had the Juan Soto trade, but I still think this off season is still missing a little spark and that's one that's why I want to discuss next. Should the MLB think about taking steps to making the off season just a little bit more exciting? But before we get there, did you know Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. Right right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast and let's talk about if the MLB offseason needs a spark. I'll be honest, I recorded a whole podcast like three hours ago before any of the E-Rod news or anything. So I had like this whole take about how the winter meetings were boring and they were awful. And then We had the Juan Soto deal and the Erod deal just sneak in the nick of time for the winter meetings. I think Homer, Candelario just signed with the Reds too. So it's like all these moves are sneaking in with the winter meetings. I'm not even sure if any executives are still in Nashville. Like I think most of them left. And so I'm still going to give you half of this take I have because it could be time to get rid of the winter meetings. I don't know, but I do think... There's potential and a possibility for the MLB to look at the offseason and maybe maybe figure out a different way to just add a little bit of juice and urgency to the offseason. Because the winter meetings typically are a place where we get this free agent frenzy, and it is a place typically where... Deals are flying left and right. And for most of the winter meetings until like the final hour, it seems this has been a very slow winter meetings. This has been a very slow offseason so far. And even outside of, you know, today's transactions, like we finally had a big move. Like think about how long it took for us to get here. Went through the whole month of November. And the biggest move was either Eugenio Suarez to the D-backs or Sonny Gray to the old man St. Louis Cardinals like the offseason for stuff to get going for that hot stove to get cooking it feels like it takes such a long time and over the last decade in baseball when it comes to free agency it feels like it's just taking longer and longer for these big stars to sign deals Last season, it felt like stars, I think, were kind of just getting trickled throughout the whole off season. I felt like last year we had a good flow. But the years prior in this season, it feels like it's taking longer than ever for to it feel like it's taking longer than ever for the hot stove to get going and to see a flurry of transactions in Major League Baseball. And I think 2019 was like the peak of this. When you go back and look at how that offseason unfolded, guys like Bryce Harper and Man Machado were waiting like two weeks before free agents or two weeks before spring training before they signed deals. Like, I, I don't understand why it takes so long. For these MLB free agents to sign with teams, or why it's so long for these teams to sign these free agents? Like, are they truly not having any contact before the offseason starts? Like, do they truly not have tampering in Major League Baseball? Like, is everyone honest in Major League Baseball? Like, the sport of baseball, is everyone honest? Is everyone not cheating when it comes to tampering? Like, I, <laughs> the idea of there not being cheating in baseball just doesn't seem realistic. So, it's like, why does it take so long for things? To happen in this sport. I want baseball to do a better job of capitalizing on the offseason. I think this is a big part of what baseball is missing on is that off-the-field chatter. When you think about the NBA and the NFL, like player movement is so big in those sports. The NBA, how many times do you hear about a star whining out or this guy's going to be a free agent this offseason? I'm not even sure if that's good for the sport, having all that player movement. But at least it gets people talking about your sport on like a daily basis. You have conversations with your friends on a daily basis. They're just in the natural lexicon of your day-to-day with whoever you come into contact with. And with baseball, it just feels so much slower. The anticipation, it just not as much there and a guy like Shohei Otani like I'm not upset with how he's handling his free agency or anything like that but I, I wish it just happened sooner like we're going to wait two months before Otani signs with a team like I- I'm not mad they wants to keep it private or he wants to not talk about it to the media or whatever I'm just upset with how long it takes for these stars to sign with teams and I'm not blaming the stars and I'm not even just blaming the teams I'm blaming the whole process with everyone I want baseball to figure out a way to add some sense of urgency to their sport during the offseason because at times I feel like the off season just drags and drags and drags and I covered this D-backs team during the 2021 season and for a team that won 52 games like your season's over in like June and so after that July, August, September, October four more months of watching meaningless baseball And then I have to, what, go through November and then potentially most of December before I even see a signing by my team? Like, that's seven months of just wasted time watching meaningless baseball and just waiting for something to happen that's exciting in my baseball life. Baseball needs to do something to create a greater sense of urgency once we get to the offseason. So, for a team like the 2021 D-backs, my offseason... Uh, can start immediately once the World Series ends. I don't have to wait another six, seven weeks before my team makes any moves. And I kind of came up with this half-baked idea of what I think could, what I think could help with the MLB offseason and hopefully add a little bit of urgency to it. This would have to probably be ratified through the collective, uh, collective bargaining agreement or whatever. But we see it in the NBA. What if we had like. Term limits on contracts. What if there was a set number of years you could sign a player to? It's a cockamini idea, maybe for the sport of baseball. I don't know. It's a half baked idea, but I do think it's something that could help the sport of baseball. And I think it's a big reason why we see so much player movement in the NBA. I think it would add more excitement to the MLB because I, I think teams, I think small market teams would be more likely to sign a. St- sign one of these mega superstars and give them a high annual salary if it was like a five-year deal. I think a lot of the reasons why we don't see more small market teams get on these, get in these Yamamoto or Otani signings is because of the length of the deal. I don't think they mind giving 40 to 50 million annually to Otani because I think they all realize Otani's worth that much. I think it's the 12 years. I think it's the 10 year contracts where you're like, the last five years of that deal, we might be paying someone a massive amount of money that can't even play the sport of baseball anymore. Maybe he just is flat out sucks or is washed or in the decline or he's hurt or whatever the reason is. There's so many variables when you have a 10 year deal or whatever that I think those small market teams, they just view it as too much inherent risk. All these big market teams don't mind taking on that extra risk. I think if you lower that risk with a term limit, a five-year deal, I think a a small market team is more likely to get in the sweepstakes for a superstar in Major League Baseball. And so I think term limits could help spruce up free agency a little bit. And you would also have just more stars in the market more often. Like, last season, the offseason was so much fun because think about how many shortstops you've had the last two offseasons, really, in free agency and all the starting pitching the last couple of offseasons. Like, it's felt really deep. But imagine 15 to 20%, even more stars. Like, imagine if you had Aaron Judge and Otani in the same free agent class. Or if you had, like, Mike Trout and Juan Soto in the same free agent class. Like, I think that could make the offseason season. So much more fun if you're uh, if you're a baseball fan if you're a baseball casual it would just be a lot more conversations about the sport because right now I think baseball is actually doing a great job of implementing new rules I think I I absolutely love the direction that baseball is headed I think all the new rules is improving the -the on-the-field product. I think it's helping the game from an entertainment standpoint. I think the games are moving better. They're faster. They're more entertaining. Offense is up. I love everything that they're doing on the field. Now I just wish they cared a little bit more about the -the off-the-field product and try to put in a couple rules to help the word of mouth just a little bit. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll, of course, be talking about any more free agent news related to the D-backs. And, of course, as always, stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.